COVID health orders extended. As hard as this may be, let's remember that the sacrifices we make now will protect our loved ones. Encouraging signs recent guidelines are working and new leniency for drive through events. Vaccine rollout. The first shipment of doses is tracking for delivery next week. The plan for mass inoculation and who goes to the front of the line. And an historic moment in the B.C. legislature. Thank you. Salut. Why Raj Chohan is a trailblazer in Canadian politics. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. BC Health officials After announcing today COVID-19 restrictions will be extended through Christmas and New Year's. We'll have more on that in a moment, but first the latest numbers covering three counting periods. We have 2,020 new cases. That's since Friday, bringing BC's total to 38,152. Sadly, 35 more people have died which means we've now lost 527 people to complications of the virus. 359 people are in hospital, 77 patients in the ICU. 27,287 people are considered recovered, leaving us with 9,380 active cases and 10,747 people in self-isolation. Buckle down and stay home. That is the holiday message from BC's top doctor as she extended last month's public health orders right through January. Yeah, that means no social gatherings over Christmas with anyone outside your immediate household. Richard Zussman has more, including the new events that are exempt from the rules. Merry Christmas! Christmas cancelled. This is a, a challenging time, I know that. With COVID cases still high, hospitalizations mounting, Dr. Bonnie Henry extending wide sweeping restrictions in the province until midnight January 8th. This includes a province-wide ban on social gatherings. So for Hanukkah, Christmas, New Year's, or whatever you celebrate, you're not legally allowed to gather at a home with those outside your household. I understand that for many of us, this will mean celebrating the coming important holidays in a different and smaller way than what we may be used to. There's an exemption for single people who can celebrate with one or two others and create a pandemic bubble. All holiday events now cancelled, including the Stanley Park train and visits with Santa, except for drive through events. In which people must stay in their cars and people attending these events should be only your household. The province asking people to put off all non-essential travel, including any travel to friends and family for the holidays. The mask mandate in public indoor spaces continues, while schools, shopping malls and grocery stores will remain open. The sacrifices we make now will protect our loved ones and countless others throughout the province and will keep our strained health care system open and functioning for all of us. Dr. Henry outlining why the extension through Christmas. The measures are working, but hospitalizations and ICU visits remain high. We cannot afford to have a rebound and have increased numbers of people being sick and ending up in hospital. Churches, temples, synagogues, all religious buildings must remain closed to services. And that has led the province to hire a consultant to work with faith leaders to address many concerns. People have both a sense of faith and a sense of ritual around the season of the year of celebration and of, getting, of coming together with peoples. And this year, that will not be possible in the same way. But that doesn't mean that we won't be able to celebrate. We just have to create new and special memories and even perhaps build some new traditions. And with the measures that have been put in place for a month not working as quickly as hope, it's not a Grinch stealing Christmas, but a brutal virus officials in every jurisdiction are struggling to get a handle on. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Okay, let's bring in Keith Baldry for more on this. So, Keith, a lot to process today, really. Restrictions mm -hmm. extended through the first week of the new year, at least. We got some positive news about those drive-through events. And Dr. Mm -hmm. Henry had an important reminder, too, today about those holiday celebrations. 
Indeed. And again, the reason this is being extended, as you heard in Richard's piece, it's because the measures are working. They're starting to work. Not really big a drop in numbers, but the trend is very positive. Take a look at today's numbers compared to last Monday's numbers, both three-day totals. The number today is down from last Monday. As well, every health authority is down from last, from last Monday as well. Fraser, Vancouver, uh, Vancouver Island, and the interior, basically flatlining. The only exception is the Northern Health Authority, which is troubling with their cases going up. But everywhere else, it's leveling off. And that's an indication the measures are working. That's great news. But it does have implications for such things as Christmas. We simply can't gather in the same numbers in the same traditional way we do at Christmas. You only are with people in your own household. Dr. Bonnie Henry says if you want to have others in attendance, they've got to do it virtually and remotely. So yes, if you're used to having multiple family members come and go over Christmas and getting together and having those large dinners together, now you need to do it remotely. This Christmas is, and these holidays are going to be different, and they need to be different. But we have to recognize we're not alone in this. These are things that we need to take to protect our communities, and we across the globe are dealing with this pandemic. So if everybody follows the rules, hopefully by January 8th, the numbers will continue to decline. Right now, our seven-day rolling average of cases is continuing to drop about 700. Our five-day rolling average is even lower, less than 650. So for five days now, our average case numbers are dropping on that. those averages. If we can keep that up and stick to the rules, by January 8th, there perhaps won't be a need to extend the rule, uh, the public health order even further. If we can't, though, it will undoubtedly be extended for at least another two weeks after that. And imagine the Christmas party next year if we do everything right. It's going to yep. go off. Thanks very it. much, Keith. Well, finally, a light at the end of the long, dark pandemic tunnel. News that Canada could get its first COVID-19 vaccines as early as next week. Ted Chernecki has the details, including who will probably be the first to get the shots. In a surprising development, Ottawa announces 249,000 doses of Pfizer's COVID vaccine could be in Canada before the end of this month. At two doses per person, that's enough for 125,000. Small, but a start. This is the largest mobilization of vaccines in Canada's history. The plan is for the vaccine to be sent to 14 sites, two each in B.C., Alberta, Ontario and Quebec, and one in every other province and territory. The number of doses is based on a per capita population. The 14 uh, sites are to be ready by next week. Um, preparations are well underway. Ottawa will do most of the heavy lifting in this initial rollout, but it'll be the provinces and territories who need to be ready to have cold storage available to keep the Pfizer vaccine at minus 70 degrees Celsius. That'll mean remote areas will probably have to wait. Once we are assured of provincial and territorial readiness to receive, then we will be able to pass the baton to the provinces and territories. We are not going to have enough in the first few months that is going to make a difference in community transmission. So that's why we all have to be um, continuing to follow our COVID safety plans. So priorities will go to those in long-term assisted living and or in critical care, as well as Canadians over 80, frontline health workers, and where possible, Indigenous communities. In fact, BC will receive its first refrigerated box, minus the vaccines, tomorrow for training purposes. We're exercising a dry run this week. Boxes are in the air right now. They left Belgium and they're on their way to the next uh, transit node in the cold chain. And of course, the big question, will this vaccine be safe? There are no corners cut by Health Canada in approving a vaccine for safe use by Canadians. For most Canadians under 60, it could be late spring before vaccines are available. Ted Chernacki, Global News. A COVID-19 outbreak at Richmond Hospital has expanded to two more units. Vancouver Coastal Health has declared an additional outbreak on the six north and three south medical units there. The hospital's COVID outbreak began earlier this month on the four north acute care unit for the elderly. All three units are closed to new admissions and transfers, and only compassionate end-of-life visits are allowed right now. 
Now, while the vast majority of British Columbians are doing their best to live within the current pandemic restrictions, frustration is growing about the small minority who are openly defying the rules. As Sarah McDonald reports, whether it's anti-mask protesters, churches that continue to hold in-person services, or those hosting house parties, many people are wondering, why no crackdown? Just how much longer can this continue without repercussions for those breaking the rules? Protesters openly defying provincial health orders this weekend in Vancouver. Jesus Christ. As faith leaders once again open their doors to congregations in the Fraser Valley, with RCMP largely nowhere in sight. The fact is, others are going to get sick because of their behavior. It's very, very difficult. I think the problem is that People always feel it's not going to happen to them. It's especially irksome and concerning to those fighting on the front lines of the COVID-19 battle, like Dr. Stephen Fetter. It's not only our COVID patients who are getting sick and dying, but it's the other patients who are scared to come to the hospital. In an ideal world, would have people follow rules. We never thought we would be enforcing public health orders a year ago, and here we are today. Abbotsford's police chief understands the frustration. Like departments across the Lower Mainland, his is seeing officers put at risk while trying to enforce orders, including issuing one fine to a church on Sunday. The more they have to go to these calls, the more they're exposed themselves. That's part of the reason Vancouver police say no tickets were issued and no arrests were made at this demonstration on Saturday, which quickly spiraled into a public health risk in more ways than one. This crowd is already fueled. They're already passionate about a situation and ticketing or making arrests could sometimes um, aggravate that crowd more. It does um, increase one's outrage factor, especially when I know there are people who are working day and night in our healthcare system. It really, in some ways, is a slap in the face. And not only to frontline workers, but to the large majority of those following the rules for the sake of public safety. It's still left to suffer the consequences right alongside the minority insistence on flouting them. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Vancouver police say they busted a number of large events over the weekend where people were violating COVID-19 restrictions, including one in a warehouse that was rented out to host the party. It's very frustrating. We're, we're all seeing the same message from Dr. Bonnie Henry, uh, you know, keep your gathering small, stay within your household, wear a mask. And, and to, to see the non-compliance of that, it, it's very frustrating. Um, and that's why our officers are, are now cracking down. British Columbians should get their COVID recovery benefit checks of up to $1,000 per household by the end of the year. That promise made today in Victoria as the NDP government delivered its unprecedented throne speech. The speech by Lieutenant Governor Janet Austin delivered mostly virtually with only a handful of MLAs actually allowed in the legislature. The speech laying out the NDP's plan not only, or pardon me, not for the next few years, but for the next few months, including health care and economic recovery connected to the COVID-19 pandemic. And it was an historic day in the B.C. legislature with a longtime NDP MLA acclaimed as the first South Asian Speaker of the House. Raj Chohan's new role is also a Canadian first, and as Sonia Dio reports, he says it's been a long journey with many roadblocks along the way. A standing ovation inside BC's legislature for the man that's just made history. The first Sikh, the first Punjabi speaking speaker of any legislature outside of the subcontinent is you. Longtime MLA Raj Chauhan, not only the first South Asian to become Speaker in BC, but also the first Indo-Canadian to be chosen for that role across Canada. This chamber needs to reflect the faces of all British Columbians. And I think that today, Mr. Speaker, we have taken a major step in that direction. I share the pride of all of the members here today. BC's new Speaker responding with gratitude and humility. Never ever thought that one day I would be in this position when I immigrated to Canada in 1973. Like so many immigrants, Chahan's first job was working on BC's farms. Shocked at workers' wages and conditions, he founded the Canadian Farm Workers Union in 1980. This is our first step 
and uh, we'll try to do the same at other farms as well. Even though Chahan has been the NDP MLA for Burnaby Edmonds since 2005 and Deputy Speaker for the last three years, the enormity of him being named Speaker, he says, is a reminder of just how much progress has been made. There was a time when people of colour were not even allowed to enter this building, let alone this chamber. While thanking some familiar political faces from the South Asian community who came out to congratulate him. Wali Opal and the first Indo-Canadian MLA, Mo Sohuta. Jahan says it's important to remember the pioneers who came to Canada before him that helped pave the way for his historical success. Never forget your roots. Don't forget where you come from. People who sent us here, they're the one who should take all the credit. Sonia Deol, Global News. And Chohan also took a moment to thank a veteran member of the press gallery for making him feel welcome on his first day in the legislature 15 years ago and helped him find one of the more important rooms in the building. In 2005, when I was first elected, I didn't even know where the nearest washroom to this chamber was. You know who helped me? Keith Baldry. <laughs> It is BC's other deadly health emergency. Fentanyl has taken thousands of lives since it first showed up on the streets. Tonight, why the Cullen Commission into money laundering has ordered a study and what it found in just over a minute. Another shiny obelisk shows up in an unlikely place as the global monolith mystery deepens. Coming up on the news hour. And Australia counts its creatures, including these rare pygmy possums, where they're found later. Right now, though, the Cullen Commission providing the first provincial-level dollar estimate of the fentanyl drug market in B.C. According to an expert report done for the commission, B.C.'s street-level trade in fentanyl-laced drugs is worth between 200 and 300 million per year, at least. John Hua has the details. It's the first frightening picture that shows the size and scope of the fentanyl drug trade. That's devastating this province. Most of the substances that people were buying on the street contained fentanyl. A new report put together at the request of the Cullen Commission. A step towards linking the overdose deaths on our streets to the dirty money that's turned B.C. into a laundromat for organized crime. What are dealers doing uh, with the revenues that they're generating? Based on data collected from Vancouver's downtown east side, upwards of 2,600 people were exposed to fentanyl in 2017-18. That led to an estimate of 5,800 people across the entire city and 23,400 in the province, using the geographic breakdown of fentanyl-linked overdose deaths by the BC Coroner Service. In our studies, we, we do have a small number of people who are actively seeking fentanyl. The report also looks into how much money is being spent on illegal drugs containing fentanyl in B.C. each year. Using the street value from Vancouver Police data, it's estimated that daily users spent upwards of $23,700 a year on illicit drugs containing fentanyl. Frequent users bought $10,700 worth of product, and infrequent users paid about $5,200 a year to get their fix. Doing this, we came up with a range of $200 million to $300 million spent uh, by people who were exposed to fentanyl in the province of BC. It's just a small look at the sophisticated criminal underworld that's flooded the streets with deadly fentanyl. Heroin has almost been entirely replaced by fentanyl. A yearly estimate of the blood money that in exchange has placed thousands of British Columbians in body bags. What about the other side? And that other side is, is a whole different ballgame. Now the Cullen Commission will try to determine how much of that dirty criminal cash came out clean. John Hua, Global News. RCMP are investigating after a shooting in Port Coquitlam this morning. Officers say it happened around 9.30 a.m. near the corner of Broadway Street and Mary Hill Bypass. One man was injured in the attack. There's been no update on his condition other than he is alive in hospital. Police say no bystanders were injured and it appears to have been a targeted attack. There are also reports that a black vehicle was seen speeding away from the scene. The person who took the shots... Um was probably aiming at that black Mercedes in that parking lot. 
Um, I didn't see the shooter, but my colleague who was blowing the leaves out here, he saw a man in a, in a sweater with a hoodie run away from the parking lot. Anyone who has video or who witnessed the attack is asked to call police or Crime Stoppers. A man threatening people with a gun outside a temporary housing facility in Victoria has led police to seizing a stash of drugs and money. Shortly after 9 p.m. on Friday, officers responded to a call in the 700 block of Queens Avenue and arrested the man peacefully. A further search of a few suites within the facility led them to a safe containing several thousand dollars in cash, along with fentanyl and methamphetamine. Up next, a porch Santa with a purpose. He thinks it's pretty cool. <laughs> How the jolly old elf is delivering smiles even as he faces his own health challenges. And oh dear, a warning to hang your lights high, or this might happen. Crews are on scene to a multi-vehicle accident in Burnaby, eastbound on Highway 1 near North Road in the left lane. Traffic is heavily backed up on the approach through the Burnaby Lake stretch past Kensington to Willingdon. Need winter tires? No time for appointments? Drop by Mr. Lube and enjoy stay-in-your-car tire service on your schedule. No appointment needed. Mr. Lube, ready when you are. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. traditional holiday events canceled this year, a Vancouver Island senior is bringing some socially distanced Christmas cheer to his neighborhood. Kylie Stanton has more on where you can find the porch Santa lifting community spirits even as he faces his own personal battle. There you go. Jacket on, belt and bells. In a year where the holidays are looking a little different, there's one thing we can always count on. <laughs> and that's a whole lot of magic. Santa is Christmas. It's the joy of Christmas. And so every day, 76-year-old Jeff Service suits up and gets to work, greeting children from his porch. What's your name? Leaving them full of wonder. Yeah, he thinks it's pretty cool. <laughs> it warms my heart. I'm so excited. I have to come see him every day now that I know he's here. <laughs> With no in-person visits this year at malls or festive events, Service is doing his part to fill the void. It's sad there's, there's no sentence around for children to talk to. And they need to have a little chat. And what do you want Santa to give you for Christmas? You know, even if it's across the pavement, but it's a chat with Santa. But it goes both ways. You see, services fitting in these shifts between hospital visits. He lives with ongoing kidney failure and was recently diagnosed with a treatable cancer. It's something I'll die with, not because of. So. These moments Hi, Santa. Hi, Santa. go a long way in lifting his spirits. The smiles on the faces as they walk around. You know, this is, this is Christmas. And so, with only 18 days to go, he's hoping he'll inspire others to join him, to channel their inner Santa and spread the love. He exists in you, he exists in me, he exists in everybody. Kylie Stanton, Global News. You have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas. Shemanis. Bye-bye. So sweet. Well, the B.C. Conservation Officer Service is reiterating its annual warning about Christmas lights. Last week in Invermere, conservation officers encountered this stuck buck lit up for all the wrong reasons. It's not uncommon for deer and other wildlife to get entangled in lights, netting or fencing. And homeowners are urged to hang their holiday decorations and lighting high. Officers sedated the mule deer and freed it, staying with it until it walked away. Anyone who sees a deer in distress like that can report it to the rap line. Now, speaking of lights, they will be key for tomorrow morning's commute, which could be a challenging one. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us with more on the heavy rain expected. And we've already had lots as it is, Christy. That's right. It was a wet one today, Sophie, but believe it or not, it's going to get worse. Overnight tonight and through the morning hours tomorrow, we are expecting extreme heavy rain at times. So we're talking about 30 millimeters potentially overnight for Metro Vancouver and another 25 through the morning hours tomorrow. Now, the areas we're concerned about the most for Metro Vancouver will be eastern sections of the North Shore, the Tri-Cities, Pitt Meadows, Maple Ridge. And again, expect pooling water on the roads. And as Sophie mentioned, make sure you turning on your lights even when the sun is up or it's bright out you need to have your lights on to keep you and your family safe
All right, we'll get more on the forecast from you a little bit later. Thanks, Christy. Until then, the UK leads the way in vaccine rollouts. We are amongst the first in the country to actually receive the vaccine and therefore the first in the world is just amazing. I'm so proud. Up ahead with millions waiting, how it's a marathon, not a sprint. Also ahead, the mystery illness sweeping through India. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC in partnership with Pacific Blue Cross, flexible small business health benefits for challenging times. Good evening. Traffic is extra busy eastbound on Highway 1 through Burnaby towards Coquitlam. That's because crews are on scene to a crash near North Road in the left lane. Traffic is backed up solid from Willingdon on the approach. If you're just leaving now, head over to Lowkey Highway instead. For 47 years, Kermac Collision and Autoglass has provided unmatched superior customer service and satisfaction. With 18 lower mainland locations, there's a Kermac in your neighborhood. Visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. Russia has rolled out its COVID-19 vaccination plan for military personnel. President Vladimir Putin ordered the vaccinations to begin over the weekend, even though Russia's vaccine has not completed the third phase of clinical trials involving humans. The vaccine, uh, named Sputnik V, must be kept at zero degrees Fahrenheit and will be distributed in refrigerated vehicles. After soldiers, medics, teachers, police officers and social workers will be next in line. Russia claims the vaccine is 95 percent effective. Meantime, people in the United Kingdom could be receiving their first coronavirus vaccines as early as tomorrow. The UK, the first country to roll out the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. The first batch of coronavirus vaccines started reaching hospitals in the United Kingdom yesterday. To know that they are here and we are amongst the first in the country to actually receive the vaccine and therefore the first in the world is just amazing. I'm so proud. The UK last week became the first country in the West to approve a COVID-19 vaccine for public use. Around 800,000 doses are expected to be ready to be administered starting tomorrow morning. Nursing home residents, people over the age of 80 and frontline healthcare workers are the high priority groups first in line to receive the vaccinations. I believe that it gives a lot of people in the world hope that this will end someday and we have something to look forward to. Vaccinating the country's population of 67 million will, of course, pose logistical challenges, one of which keeping the doses properly frozen. So they're stored in the minus 70 freezer and they will be taken out of there when it's appropriate. The, ho- the hospital is just going through the final checks to be able to implement the vaccination program for our high priority groups and we will roll out when it's appropriate. In trials, the vaccine has shown it's 95% effective. Deborah Alfaron, CBS News, Washington. A mystery illness in India has left hundreds sick and at least one person dead. The illness was first detected on Saturday in southern India in a region famous for its hand-woven products. Since then, patients have experienced symptoms ranging from nausea and anxiety to loss of consciousness. Officials are now trying to determine the cause of the illness. So far, water samples from some of the impacted areas haven't shown any signs of contamination. The patients are of different ages and have tested negative for COVID-19 and other viral diseases. The times, they are a changing for Bob Dylan. He has sold his entire catalog of songs spanning six decades. Yeah, he was standing on the side of the road, falling on his shoes. Heading out for these curves, no news, he paid some dues. Getting through, tangled up in blue. Universal Music has struck a deal with the icon and a deal many believe will be in the nine figures. Dylan's unique and legendary songwriting has had a massive influence on the industry. He's the first songwriter to be awarded the Nobel Prize for Literature. The 79-year-old has also sold more than 125 million records. He joins the recent trend of catalog sales after Stevie Nicks had hers sell for $100 million. In Health Matters tonight, British Columbians who want to take off to Hawaii now have the option of testing for the COVID-19 virus at Life Labs here in B.C. WestJet announced today it's teaming up with Life Labs to offer state of Hawaii approved pre-departure testing. 
A negative COVID test within 72 hours of leaving means the traveler can avoid quarantining once they arrive in Hawaii. That's 14 days. The cost per test is $250 plus tax. LifeLab says it will have more information on testing locations shortly. Up ahead, the monolith mystery deepens. Why here? It's so out of the way compared to like America. The young man who found a new one in a very unlikely place. Also, big steps to save lives. The grueling ultramarathon this young man just completed and why he hopes it gets people talking. Well, these might be the cutest pictures you see all day. Two minuscule pygmy possums and other tiny creatures endemic to Australia's Kangaroo Island have been documented for the first time since fires destroyed their habitats last year. The pygmy possum weighs just seven grams. The discovery comes nearly a year after last summer's bushfires that killed 33 people and scorched nearly 24 million hectares. Trying to imagine. (laughs) On the end of a fingertip. Really amazing. So cute. Mm -hmm. All right, meteorologist Christy Gordon, uh, that wet forecast is ahead of us, Christy. But as you said, we've had a lot of it already. That's right. Wet throughout the day today, and it's only going to get heavier overnight. So it's really the overnight period tonight and through the morning hours tomorrow that we're expecting that wet weather. So leave yourself extra time for your commute to work. Let's have a look at a photo from John. He sent us this one. He called it flapping in the rain or singing in the rain. And yes, water droplets running off the back of this beautiful little hummingbird there. All right, so here's how much rainfall we're expecting. Heaviest amounts will be for Metro Vancouver, eastern sections of the North Shore, uh, cities and out towards pit meadows west coast of vancouver island will see significant amounts as well uh, we are expecting this rainfall to ease by about noon tomorrow but it's going to remain unsettled even into the afternoon hours but there's an idea of how heavy it will be through the overnight period so significant amounts the only ones that will see a little bit less will be those western sections so out towards delta and Tawasson, for example now this uh, system is also going to affect the interior regions we're expecting heavy snow overnight for the Columbia area. There is a snowfall warning in place for your region up to 25 centimeters of snow and that will continue through the day tomorrow. But I want you to note that the coast mountains, we're expecting rain. This is a mild flow. It's like a pa- uh, atmospheric river. So a mild wet flow for the coast mountains. Coquihalla just looking at rainfall, but we're certainly going to see snow in areas like Rogers Pass and into Golden with that 25 centimeters. Far north, sunshine. That's where the cold air is though. Meanwhile, across the south, mild flow. So we're talking about double digits again tomorrow, which is well above seasonal for this time of year. So 10, 11 degrees. Typically, we would be up to about 7 tomorrow afternoon. We're slowly going to drop in temperature throughout the week. We've got a series of systems that are going to push in. The good news when the temperature drops is it means some nice snow for the local mountains once again. And I'll leave you with your central windows weather window. Looking back at last week's nice upper level ridge when we had that fog and sort of inversion. Thank you to Shane O'Connor for that stunning shot that is beautiful you hear those foghorns sometimes in the morning mm-hmm. way up by queen elizabeth mm-hmm. park but, uh, cool all right thanks christy more mysterious metallic monoliths have appeared seemingly out of nowhere this time in england and the netherlands at least five have now been discovered in the past three weeks sparking intrigue vandalism even some creative marketing opportunities global's redmond shannon reports <laughs> Even Arthur C. Clarke couldn't have predicted 2020, but the alien-installed monoliths from his Space Odyssey series are seemingly the inspiration for a copycat trend this year. It was crazy. I was like, oh my God, we've got one here. (laughs) Why here? It's so out of the way compared to like America. Peter Hudd was one of the first to check out this monolith on England's Isle of Wight Sunday. Even with my own eyes, it looked like it had been edited in. It was so like surreal looking. It was like... (laughs) It was like a tear in fabric in time. It was just like this portal-looking thing. The same day, a similar object appeared in the Netherlands. It comes after three others were discovered in recent weeks. So is it solid? Not solid. Been sitting in a remote Utah desert for about five years. Then this one appeared in Romania, followed by another in California. Christ is king! Christ is king. All three Christ were torn king. down. Sports. 
although the latter was quickly reinstalled. There are conflicting claims as to who's behind them and what they all mean. This amateurish version, a cheeky hoax from a candy store owner. So how about this? I wake up Thursday morning and there's a monolith that appears right in front of my shop here in the Strip District. Jumping on board what has become a silly but welcome distraction from all things 2020. Redmond Shannon, Global News, London. I figured it out. Mystery solved right here. It's the Festivus poll. <laughs> you know what? It's, Maybe it is. The Festivus poll was aluminum. Well, how do you know what those Very are? Very good about? strength to ratio. What was it? The strength to weight strength ratio. Strength to weight ratio. I find tinsel distracting. <laughs> I love that episode. Um, <laughs> requires no decoration. I find tinsel distracting. I can't do it as well also as Jerry Stiller. I guess, is this the 21st century crop circle? It's yeah. something like that. It's so. taking on a life of its own. Okay. Uh, after about 26 years as a Lions employee, Neil McAvoy will get a chance to run the team. Since I started with the club in, you know, 95, 96, um, something that I thought, hey, that's a job to look up to. He is part of a co-general managing role with the head coach. That's what the Lions are going to go with in 2021. Also coming up later, a young man completes an ultra marathon. The inspiration that kept him going for more than 160 kilometers. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. NFL schedules all over the map these days. Squires here with sports. Well, this, yeah, there were two games today, and mm-hmm. there's a game tomorrow. Um, last week, when Pittsburgh beat Baltimore to move its record to 11-0, Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin was not happy, despite the win. He said his team played like a junior varsity squad, and they were lucky to beat a Ravens roster that was depleted with a lot of players testing positive for COVID. Today, things got a bit better for the Steelers, but not good enough to stay unbeaten. They finally were defeated Washington rallied from a 14-0 deficit, and not many teams can do that in Pittsburgh. And they have become the first team this season to hang an L on the Steelers. Which also means it's the first time that Chase Claypool of Abbotsford has lost an NFL game. All right, so it looked good for the Steelers. This is Claypool right here. This catch uh, got them a first down and helped them score their first touchdown, which was a three-yard pass to Deontay Johnson to give Pittsburgh the 7-0 lead. Then they get another one. Although they really shouldn't have had a touchdown here. That's a bad tackle. That's a bad tackle. It's not even a tackle. It's a bad attempt at tackling. And James Washington makes it 14-0. But then Washington started to get its act together in the second half. Logan Thomas, this catch gets them down to the one-yard line. They would score on a Peyton Barber touchdown, 14-10. Then, with the score 17-10, Logan Thomas again. This time, not at the one. He gets all the way in the end zone. He ties at 17-17. Washington would go up 20-17. Any comeback for the Steelers was ruined right here. Tip ball, and John Bostick picks it off. They get another field goal, Washington would. And now the Steelers have a blemish on their previously unbeaten record. So the Steelers are no longer unbeaten, but the New York Jets are still winless. And the reason they are was fire today. Uh, Defensive coordinator Greg Williams was canned after calling for an all-out blitz in the final seconds against the Raiders when he should have just had his defense drop back and protect the end zone. All the Raiders were going to do was throw the ball as far as possible. It is a move that gamers wouldn't make playing Madden on their Xbox. This is the play. Why are you rushing the quarterback like this? Henry Ruggs is now open, and that's the winning score. Afterwards, the Raiders said they were so happy to see an all-out blitz, and they also couldn't believe it when they did. When Ed Ed Hervey either quit or was asked to quit as the GM of the BC Lions, they basically went without any replacement because there really wasn't anything to GM. But now the CFL has a schedule out for 2021, and you can start signing players. So they need a boss, or in this case, bosses. Head coach Rick Campbell and director of football operations Neil McAvoy will become the Lions' two-headed general manager. For McAvoy, who has been with the Lions for a quarter century, this is the crowning moment of his football career. It's a job that, uh, you know, since I started with the club in, you know, 95-96, something that I thought, hey, that's a job to look up to, and um, here we are. Finally, uh, you know, got there. 
got there as in GM of the BC Lions. McAvoy was born and raised in Surrey, and the only team he cheered for as a youngster is the one he's now helping build as a Lions co-general manager alongside head coach Rick Campbell. It's an exciting opportunity for me. This is, this is my football team, and it has been for a long, long time. Um, when I was a kid in the 80s and, and you know, my dad played in the Canadian Football League, and uh, you know, this league and this team has been with me for a long time. McAvoy's been around long enough to be a part of three Lions Grey Cup championship teams. 25 years ago, Neil started on the business side of football selling tickets before moving on to football operations. For a BC kid who's played and coached the game at the amateur level, it doesn't get any better than apprenticing and working alongside the who's who of the BC Lions. When Wally came in in 03, he you know, really gave me a lot of opportunities to uh, you know, make myself better. The longer I've been here and worked with all the great GMs and head coaches, that's, that's going to help me moving forward. I have had opportunities to look elsewhere, but at the end of the day, you know, being from Vancouver, being a local Surrey kid, this is, this is the job I've always wanted. I know we both have a love of the CFL, and I also think it's really important um, to have people around that are local that get what it's like to be a BC Lion and have been through um, different different things, different regimes, all that stuff. Um, this is going to be something that I've coveted for a long, long time. And, um, you know, finally here, and I'm going to run with it and not going to give it up easy. I'll tell you that. This is going to be a position I want. This is, this is the job I've wanted for a long time, and I'm going to have for a long time. A mint condition Wayne Gretzky rookie card, like the one beside my head, could be the first hockey card ever to get $1 million in an auction. It's an Opeachy card. From 1979, at last check, the highest bid for it was $662,000. The picture on the card is apparently not from an NHL game. It was actually from a game the previous season in the old World Hockey Association where Gretzky began his career, first with Indianapolis, then with the Oilers. Uh, in a different auction, apparently, a Gretzky game-warm jersey brought in a half million. But that, if you have a mint-condition Gretzky rookie card sitting somewhere in your house, you too could be a millionaire. <laughs> All right, Squire, thanks very much. Let's check in with Jay Durant for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jay? Thank you, Sophie. Property tax increases in Surrey, plus the financial future for the new Surrey Police Force as we bring you the results of the City Council budget vote tonight. Plus, as the restrictions have been extended through to January 8th, some events are back on but must be done through drive-in options only. It's good news for some and disappointing for others. We'll break that down tonight on Global News at 11. All right, thanks, Jay. And when we come back, a young man from Merritt shows he can go the distance for a very good cause. That's next. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. NFL schedules all over the map these days. Squires here with sports. Well, this, yeah, there were two games today, and there's mm -hmm. a game tomorrow. Um, last week, when Pittsburgh beat Baltimore to move its record to 11 and 0, Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin was not happy, despite the win. He said his team played like a junior varsity squad, and they were lucky to beat a Ravens roster that was depleted with a lot of players testing positive for COVID. Today, things got a bit better for the Steelers, but not good enough to stay unbeaten. They finally were defeated. Washington rallied from a 14-0 deficit, and not many teams can do that in Pittsburgh. And they have become the first team this season to hang an L on the Steelers. Which also means it's the first time that Chase Claypool of Abbotsford has lost an NFL game. All right, so it looked good for the Steelers. This is Claypool right here. This catch uh, got them a first down and helped them score their first touchdown, which was a three-yard pass to Deontay Johnson to give Pittsburgh the 7-0 lead. Then they get another one. Although they really shouldn't have had a touchdown here. That's a bad tackle. That's a bad tackle. It's not even a tackle. It's a bad attempt at tackling. And James Washington makes it 14-0. But then Washington started to get its act together in the second half. Logan Thomas, this catch gets them down to the one-yard line. They would score on a Peyton Barber touchdown, 14-10. Then, with the score 17-10, Logan Thomas again. This time, not at the one. He gets all the way in the end zone. He ties at 17-17. Washington would go up 20-17. Any comeback for the Steelers was ruined right here. Tip ball, and John Bostick picks it off. They get another field goal, Washington would, and now the Steelers have a blemish on their previously unbeaten record. 
So the Steelers are no longer unbeaten, but the New York Jets are still winless. And the reason they are was fire today. Uh, defensive coordinator Greg Williams was canned after calling for an all-out blitz in the final seconds against the Raiders when he should have just had his defense drop back and protect the end zone. All the Raiders were going to do was throw the ball as far as possible. It is a move that gamers wouldn't make playing Madden on their Xbox. This is the play. Why are you rushing the quarterback like this? Henry Ruggs is now open, and that's the winning score. Afterwards, the Raiders said they were so happy to see an all-out blitz, and they also couldn't believe it when they did. When Ed, when Ed Hervey either quit or was asked to quit as the GM of the BC Lions, they basically went without any replacement because there really wasn't anything to GM. But now the CFL has a schedule out for 2021, and you can start signing players. So they need a boss, or in this case, bosses. Head coach Rick Campbell and director of football operations Neil McAvoy will become the Lions' two-headed general manager. For McAvoy, who has been with the Lions for a quarter century, this is the crowning moment of his football career. It's a job that, uh, you know, since I started with the club in, you know, 95, 96, um, something that I thought, hey, that's a job to look up to, and um, here we are. Finally, uh, you know, got there. Got there as in GM of the BC Lions. McAvoy was born and raised in Surrey, and the only team he cheered for as a youngster is the one he's now helping build as the Lions co-general manager alongside head coach Rick Campbell. It's an exciting opportunity for me. This is, this is my football team, and it has been for a long, long time. Um, when I was a kid in the 80s, and, and you know, my dad played in the Canadian Football League, and uh, you know, this league and this team has been with me for a long time. McAvoy's been around long enough to be a part of three Lions Grey Cup championship teams. 25 years ago, Neil started on the business side of football selling tickets before moving on to football operations. For a BC kid who's played and coached the game at the amateur level, it doesn't get any better than apprenticing and working alongside the who's who of the BC Lions. When Wally came in in 03, he you know, really gave me a lot of opportunities to uh, you know, make myself better. The longer I have been here and worked with all the great GMs and head coaches, that's, that's going to help me moving forward. I have had opportunities to look elsewhere, but at the end of the day, you know, being from Vancouver... Being a local Surrey kid, this is this is the job I've always wanted. You know, we both have a love of the CFL, and I also think it's really important um, to have people around that are local that get what it's like to be a BC Lion and have been through um, different different things, different regimes, all that stuff. Um, this is going to be something that I've coveted for a long, long time, and um, you know, finally here, and I'm going to run with it and. Not going to give it up easy, I'll tell you that. This is going to be a position I want. This is, this is the job I've wanted for a long time, and I'm going to have for a long time. A mint condition Wayne Gretzky rookie card, like the one beside my head, could be the first hockey card ever to get $1 million in an auction. It's an Opeachy card from 1979. At last check, the highest bid for it was $662,000. The picture on the card is apparently not from an NHL game. It was actually from a game the previous season in the old World Hockey Association where Gretzky began his career, first with Indianapolis, then with the Oilers. Uh, in a different auction, apparently, a Gretzky game-warm jersey brought in a half million. But that, if you have a mint-condition Gretzky rookie card sitting somewhere in your house, you too could be a millionaire. <laughs> All right, Squire, thanks very much. Let's check in with Jay Durant for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jay? Thank you, Sophie. Property tax increases in Surrey, plus the financial future for the new Surrey Police Force as we bring you the results of the City Council budget vote tonight. Plus, as the restrictions have been extended through to January 8th, some events are back on but must be done through drive-in options only. It's good news for some and disappointing for others. We'll break that down tonight on Global News at 11. All right, thanks, Jay. And when we come back, a young man from marriage shows he can go the distance for a very good cause. That's next. A 
young married man is resting his very sore feet today after completing a remarkable ultra marathon. 20-year-old Darius Sam ran 164 kilometers, that's 100 miles, to raise money for men's mental health in his community. As Linda Aylesworth reports, it was the second attempt for the determined athlete. This is going to be one of the longest days in 20-year-old Darius Sam's life. We especially call on those that were runners through the valley many, many, many generations ago. Darius is attempting an ultramarathon through BC's central interior for the second time, from Nicola Lake to Spence's Bridge and back again, 160 kilometres. I failed the last time. I came up 11 miles short. And obviously that eats at me every single day. So coming back was, and I needed to happen. Back in June, Darius, who lives in Merritt, set out to raise $14,000 for the Nicola Valley Food Bank, a goal he far surpassed, in spite of collapsing and being hospitalized before completing his journey. We're just taking a different approach, hydrating, make sure I get my salt, 150 calories an hour, so my body doesn't shut down and crap like the last time. Yeah. Even so, this run was no less painful. But he carried on, albeit barely from time to time, right through the night. He was close to quitting a couple times. We talked him through it. We had a rough patch about half an hour ago, but now we're resting and we're going to make that final push. His will to complete the grueling ultramarathon, coming not only from the desire to achieve a personal goal, but to help create a free men's addiction counselling program in the Nicola Valley. I feel like it's more topical now due to COVID, and people are dying out here, obviously, and I'm going to keep them in mind while I run. He's an unbelievable young man. He's got such a great heart. He's doing things for great causes. Yeah, there he is. At 5 p.m. Sunday, 32 and a half hours after it started, Darius arrives back to where his Herculean effort began and where it at last ends. What's next? What's next? Go home and sleep, man. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Amazing. Way to go, Darius. Mm. That's a tough drive, let alone running that there and back. Well done. All right, last word on weather before we go. Christy and the rain on its way. Uh Uh-oh. Well, the rain might be on its way, but she's not. Bring an umbrella (laughs) with you, whatever you do. She's gone. All right, that's all the time we have. Thanks for joining us tonight. Have a good night, everybody.